the kingdom all over this country. This is his third or fourth service today. So please welcome, stand up. Give this powerful father of the house a warm welcome. Come on up, Dan. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. Love you. Love you. Thank you. I got a mic. Okay. Hey, take this. Take this. Hi. Are you, aren't you tired of church? <laughs> Man, you guys are diehards. Um, um, I love William and Chantel. Um, William Wood is a voice of one crying in the wilderness, trying to get people ready for what God wants to do for a third great awakening. He's an apostolic leader. I honor him. And the pastor of this church here, Jordan, I heard him preach. Um, man, he's amazing. I mean, these amazing leaders here. So I'm blessed to be here in this church. And I'm going to do my best tonight to preach. Yeah. Um, um, turn to Isaiah 61 and... Are you leaving already? No. Um, Isaiah 61. And I'm just going to read a few verses. Yeah. Isaiah 61. I like to worship here and stuff. I like this place. <laughs> I'd probably come here if I lived here. So the first verse says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And that could be all of our testimonies. I, I really believe that's the only message Jesus preached when he ministered. I just think he walked to a new little place and said, hey, God's on me. So if you get close enough to me, you'll get healed. What else would you have to preach? Like people everywhere just wanted to touch him. So he had to be preaching this anyway. The, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord anointed me to bring good news to the humble. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the cloak of praise instead of a disheartened spirit. Say so will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Like Jesus is a great exchange artist. Like whatever's wrong, he gives us what's right. Whatever's painful, he gives us what feels good. Whatever's discouraging, he gives us what's joy. I mean, he just exchanges. He's the God of the great exchange. Aren't you thankful? And so, Holy Spirit, I ask you tonight to let us have an exchange. That's what worship is. It's exchanging our reality for yours. That's what prayer is. It's exchanging our reality for yours. That's what gathering does. So I ask that we would have a great exchange tonight. I ask that you would lead us into all truth.
so that we would all leave totally free. Truth sets us free. I ask that you'd remove any demonic hindrances that are trying to cloak people's ears and eyes from hearing and seeing what the Spirit is saying to the church. Pray that what's going on here at River House would get out of the banks and would touch the valley. I, I see a thousand house churches where every part of this valley is impacted with this river of life. So have your way tonight. We love you so much. You're, you're just a good father. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to talk about demons because William was talking about the enemy. So I just want to continue the narrative. How many of you love God tonight? Yeah, so how many of you hate God? Because the last time I was here last November, 14 people got born again. It was pretty awesome. And um, so you love God. How many of you are filled with the Holy Spirit? Amen. So everybody loves God. You're full of God. You're part of his family. You're his body. That's good news, isn't it? So if you love God, and you're full of Him, and you want to serve Him, and you can't get enough church, I mean, I can't believe you're still here after all these services this weekend. Like, you really love God, so why do we have so much troubles? Why do we get so discouraged? Why is there so much pain? Why is there so much sorrow? Why is there so much suffering? And I think it's because we have enemy. We have an enemy. And by the end of the service tonight, I want us to learn his tactics and his schemes so that we can use the authority that God's given us to get rid of all of his ability to keep us in bondage. So that we can start walking in such confident boldness to use the power that's within us. The, the amazing thing is we all have the power that raised Jesus from the dead living inside of us. And we walk around thinking we need help. So we want to just... Shadow the lies. Amen? Amen. So, so we have enemies. Now I want to set the stage maybe. If you're a Christian, the devil can't touch your heart. He can't get in your heart because that's where God lives. Your spirit. Satan can't get in your spirit if you're a Christian. 1 John 5 says that when you're covered by the blood and you're born again, that God protects you from the evil one. He can't handle you because God's your handler now. So he can't get in your heart. Aren't you glad? But he never stops trying to get in your head. Like he tries to get in your thoughts constantly. In 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul says, we're not unaware of his schemes. Like we're not ignorant of his schemes. And the word schemes is noamata, which is his mind games. The battlefield is the mind. Your heart's sealed. Your heart's protected. But the battlefield's the mind. That's why William, over and over again, you got to renew your mind. You got to renew your mind. You got to renew your mind. Not daily, moment by moment. It's like one moment away from him, we're we're cooked. Would you guys agree? Like, there's we don't have battery packs. We have to be hooked up to the IV of goodness, God. <laughs> like, um, 
I don't think you come to church to get your cup filled. I just think you just come full and just keep spilling out. So um, we're not unaware of his schemes, but we have such authority over him. I just don't think we know how to use it real good or he wouldn't be causing such havoc in his, the body of Christ. Because we have all authority. There's no more to give us. And the techniques of spiritual warfare listed in the New Testament are just very strange to me. Because none of them seem like they're really warfare. It's just really weird. For instance, Luke 10, I think it's verse 19. It says, I give you power and authority to trample on scorpions and serpents. And no power of the evil one will be able to touch you. So the warfare in Luke 10, 19 is just walk on what's attacking you. It doesn't seem like battle. It seems like he's already defeated. We just need to walk by faith. Like, walk, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean literally go around looking for critters. Like, where's the scorpion? Where's, it means your vision's high enough that when they come against you, you're above them. And so you just take a step and crush them under your feet. Like you have to have the reality that you're seated in heavenly places, Ephesians 2, 6. You have to have this reality that I actually am above all the things that I think are my problem. My spirit is in the throne room right now. <laughs> like where the elders and the creatures are falling down because they can't stand in the presence. Like I'm in Christ. That's where he's at, so that's where my spirit's at. That's way above any demon, because the demons are the prince and power of this age, this world. I'm above them. So when it says walk on serpents and scorpions, it means why don't you actually believe what the word says you are and where you are and whose you are and just walk on them. And the more demons that come against you, if you're walking in your authority, it'll give you a higher vision because you'll be able to walk on them and it'll raise your vision. Another passage that talks about spiritual warfare in the New Testament would be Ephesians 6. And that's the passage that you know, says our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And it goes through the armor. And it says when you've done all that you know to do, don't get exasperated. Don't get frustrated. When you've done all that you know to do, it says stand. <laughs> like that's your best weapon. Just stand. It's the word deny. It doesn't mean just Stand. It means stand in the authority and the confidence that you know you have a whole army with you and you're all linked at the heart and nobody can fall unless you all fall together, which means nobody will ever fall. That's why Jude says he's able to keep him from stumbling. Because we can actually walk by faith and not by feelings. Yay? I know you're tired. I'm not getting any amens in this service. I guarantee you. Um, the, another passage of spiritual warfare in the New Testament would be James 4, where it says, submit to God and resist the devil. It doesn't say fight the devil. It says resist the devil. So how do you resist? Like, don't take him. Don't accept it. But I, the only thing I can think of is how do you resist arrest? Like, fight back. Like, no, I'm not going to let you arrest me. I'm not going to let you. No, get behind me. <laughs> no. I'm not putting on those handcuffs. No. No. Go bother somebody else. Resist it. It doesn't say punch him. It says resist it. Resist the devil. And he'll run in fear. That's what it says. He'll flee. He'll run in fear. Another spiritual warfare passage. These, these warfare passages are weird because they're not 
warfare <laughs> is 1 Peter 5, where it says we have this enemy who likes to roar around like a lion, right? Seeking whom he may devour. It's like he's just roaming around roaring. <laughs> he's probably teethless. I don't know. And Peter says, when you hear him roaring, instead of being afraid, this is what you do. This is how you win. Just stand firm in your faith. Just stand firm in your faith. He can't touch you. You're covered by the blood. He's trying to lure us in to fight something that we've already won. You don't have to fight the devil. You just need to walk in your authority. Which means you walk above him. Are you guys with me? So, with that being said, um, there's a reason why demons keep bothering so many Christians. And I think, you know, number one, if you haven't confessed sin, you haven't gotten your heart right, then that's going to draw demons constantly. But if you have confessed your sins, you're forgiven and your heart's right, why do they still come? And I think the main reasons demons are attracted to so many Christians is so many Christians have areas of hurt in their heart that God hasn't been able to heal yet because we haven't wanted to face it, because it's painful to think about the painful areas. Um, you know, it says in Paul's writings that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And the treasure is the word therosis, which means it's a priceless, you can't measure the value of it. Like if you had like a, you know, a hundred carat diamond, you could measure the value in the billions or whatever, but this is a treasure that you can't measure the value. It's in you. And People get to see it, not when you're all together, but when you have areas that are marred and cracked and the glory shines through you. In the Orient, my, my wife was raised in Korea as a little girl until she was five. But I learned this by studying some things in school. I remember a couple things. And in the Orient, when they break a coffee cup or a vase or some kind of a beautiful jug, they don't throw it away. They put gold in the cracks to hold it together, and then it becomes a priceless heirloom and the most valuable part of the vessel is the part that used to be cracked but now it's filled in with gold that's what god does to our hearts the anointing in isaiah 61 says he's anointed with the holy spirit and power so he can put together the broken areas of our hearts and the broken areas that used to be the things we were ashamed of now become the most valuable part of our testimony amen so we got to get rid of pain so demons don't have a place to attach. You know, in one of the verses in the Gospels, it calls Satan Beelzebub, which is the god of the flies, the lord of the flies. And I think pain in a believer's heart is like poop that draws flies. <laughs> if you get rid of the pain, Satan doesn't have anything that he's drawn to, so all he can do is tempt you to let him cause pain. Would you nod? <laughs> it helped me because I'm tired too. Um, so I want us to address pain tonight. I want us to get rid of pain. Now, I know we have authority over demons. This is the amazing part. He says you have all authority. Every time he commissioned anybody for ministry, he gave them authority over demons, sickness, and disease. Every time. So we have all authority. But not one verse says we have authority over pain. 
So we can't say, I command you, broken heart, to leave. We don't have authority over pain. Pain can't be cast out. Pain has to be healed. And nothing that's still concealed can be healed. It has to be revealed. It has to be exposed. It has to be brought in the light. So you can't go around saying, well, time will heal. We just need to hold on until it's passed. Time doesn't heal anything. It makes it bigger and worse. It gets more perverted the, the longer we wait. And so we have to expose the pain. We can't cast it out. I also realize that we have authority over, you know, all unclean spirits, but we don't have any authority over human spirits. Like, we don't have authority over any spirits in people. That's why nobody can get healed of pain unless they want to be healed. Like, you have to want to be healed. This, this anointing's for the humble. Not for the ones who don't need anything. Are you with me? So I can't, I can't take authority over people's spirits, and I can't take authority over brokenness in people's hearts. You need to want to be healed, and I promise you, he's a good healer. Like, he doesn't leave anything undone if you'll give him access. Like, he, he takes care of every detail. Aren't you glad? So, so this, this promise in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he who is in you than all the demons in the world, it's actually true. So we need to take advantage of the one who lives inside of us and let him lead us into all truth that sets all the areas of our life that are still wounded and broken free so that we're totally healed and then we have nothing in our life that draws those familiar demonic spirits that are always trying to keep us in defeat needing ministry. Like what if we just all got free? What if we had this like reality like the Lord's my shepherd, I can't think of anything I want. I wonder if that's in the Bible. It is. <laughs> I, I mean, God will heal your soul. He'll restore your mind if you let him. So we're going we're gonna to try to delve into getting rid of pain. And then we're going to take authority over all demonic spirits and get them out of our lives. And my, my hope tonight is that this whole room will be delivered. And we can walk in freedom. And really start taking back territory from the enemy that he's stolen from us way too long. But we've been so powerless. And it's time to walk in power. Does anybody agree with me? Amen. So who wants healing from pain? Like memories and... And, and who wants to walk in total freedom and authority where you're not always looking to the right or the left, but you're just walking through everything that used to bother you and now it doesn't. So that's my goal for tonight. Amen. And I, I don't want to preach long. I hate long services, you guys. I do. I wish we could just get free. Be free. I wish I had authority. I don't have authority. You need to want it. I'll tell a couple miracle stories before I preach. Is that okay? Yeah. We're supposed to tell a couple of testimonies. I mean, I was in uh, North Carolina a couple weeks ago, and I was preaching, and I see this guy, and the Lord tells me he's got a brain disease that affects his walking, but he doesn't tell me what it is. I don't know what it is, but it's brain disease. So I walk over to him. He used to be a Wall Street trader. He's in his 80s. He's my good friend. And I put my hand on his leg. He goes, oh, it's not my leg. I know it's in your head, but I don't know what it is. That's why I'm touching your leg. How'd you know that? 
because I have somebody that lives inside of me. <laughs> His name is Jesus. He knows everything. And I said, what is it? He goes, it's encephalitis or something. He has something wrong with his head, so his nerves didn't work, so he's always stumbling. I said, well, God told me he's going to heal it, and so just relax. So I touched his leg. I just said, thank you, God. You told me you're going to heal it. And the guy got up and started walking, and he wasn't stumbling, and he's in shock. And he's been stumbling for years. <laughs> he was instantly healed. So that happened. And then um, <laughs> that, that was a good one. <laughs> Um, then there, and that's how hard I work, just there. Just like, that's what I did, buddy. I don't work. I'm not doing anything for him, for him to have to back me up. I'm trying to do everything from him and trying to keep up with what he's doing. Now, when I'm fighting inner pain and turmoil and strongholds in my mind that I've agreed with these demonic spirits, and I don't hear him telling me anything he wants to do. I'm just looking for somebody to give me a word. But if I'm actually free, I can hear everything that's going on in his heart for everybody in the room that I'm in. That's a way better way to live. Yeah. Amen. So after this guy gets healed and he's shouting, he's kind of gloriously happy because um, he's not falling. He's not, he doesn't need a walker. He doesn't need anything. He's walking. It's pretty cool. Then this pregnant lady says, would you pray for me next? I said, come on up here. <laughs> she's big. And she's like, she was a Latino lady, like a real pretty Latino and I said, so you got something going on in Oregon? She goes, I do. My liver's dying. And I'm probably going to lose my baby, and I don't know if I'm going to make it. And I don't sleep good. I'm itching. And she was kind of yellow. And I said, well, I feel the anointing. I think, yeah, you're going to get healed right now. So I touched. I said, can I touch your baby? She goes, sure. So I touched her baby. <laughs> Big. I touched her, and I said, Lord, heal this liver. Well, the next day, she contacted uh, the lady in charge of the meeting. She goes, I slept all night last night. I don't itch anymore, and her, my skin's not yellow. So her liver was healed. Her liver was healed. And I was in this one service at this church called The River. Not River House, The River. They didn't steal your name. Um, and I felt the presence come, and I said, I can't finish my message. God's going to heal people right now, so if you need a healing, stand up. And, and everybody stands up, and I don't understand how, why is the whole church sick? If we walked in authority, anyway, so I prayed a little 10-second prayer. How many of you got healed? And the testimonies lasted over an hour and a half, and it was just a normal Sunday morning service, and it lasted four hours and 15 minutes. I preached for 40 minutes. The time was testimonies from a 10-second prayer. Yay. Okay, I'm going to preach now. You're not impressed. Um, I'm just trying to tell you that th things are really possible if you're free. Like you can actually do what Jesus does in greater. And it's not your effort. It's the might of his power that works in you. It's not you. He just needs a vessel that's free that he can flow through unimpeded. Are you with me, church? Okay, so... Pain. How do we get rid of pain? Most of the time, pain is tied to unforgiveness because you've been offended or hurt or violated. And God can't heal what you're not willing to forgive, number one. But God can't heal what you're not willing to reveal. 
Like you can't just go around saying, well, I hope he gets to it someday. He won't force you to be healed. But he will heal what you ask him to. And so we're going to do this thing. I'm going to, I'm going to lead you through a, a method of inner healing. And then I'm going to lead you through how to take authority and cast out all the demons. And then we're just going to flow in freedom and have a good life. Amen. 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 <laughs> I, I, I'm doing this, you guys, because on, on May 17th, yeah, on May 17th, I got this new Bible. And I dedicate this Bible to Isaiah 53.5. I dedicate every Bible to something. And I want to know the price and reward Jesus purchased for all of us. And Isaiah 53.5 has four lines. The first line is forgiveness. The second line is cleansing or purification. The third line is deliverance. And the fourth line is healing. And those four lines describe salvation. Forgiveness cleansing, deliverance, healing. That's salvation. And that's what this Bible is dedicated to, okay? I, I, everything I'm looking. Now, as I started reading this Bible, I've, yeah, I've already read it eight times since May 17th, because <laughs> I don't have a life. <laughs> This is, this is my hobby. I'm sorry. It sounds boring. But I don't have the same issues that probably you have. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, I like my boring life, okay? <laughs> I'm going through the course of study. Well, I'm finishing the course of study, and I'll be ordained next year if the church will ordain me. I don't know if they will, but if they do... Um, but every time they interview me, they say, what do you do for soul care? I mean, how do you take care of yourself? And I say, what do you mean? Well, how do you, how do you keep yourself in well-being emotionally? I say, I read the Bible. No, I mean, what's your hobbies? Like, you hike, you boat, you bike, you camp, you... I read the Bible. <laughs> well, I don't think you understand the question. Like, what do you do for soul care? How do you keep from being depressed? I'm, I'm happy. I'm not depressed, but how do you do that? I, I already told you. <laughs> I, I read the Bible. Anyway, and finally they get, okay, well, you don't understand probably. I said, I really do understand. You ought to try it. It's like real healing. It's <laughs> soothing. Anyway, so I, I read the Bible. Um, what I found, you guys, is I know all the verses on forgiveness. I memorized them. And I know the 600 plus verses on holiness and purification. I memorized them. And I know the 243 verses on healing. I memorized them. But I never wanted to go into the deliverance verses because I thought it was too messy. I thought, no, we can't do that in church, man. Hour and a half. You can't get people free in an hour and a half. It takes sessions. It takes time. It takes hours. So I just left it to the deliverance people. And then God says, I thought you were dedicating this Bible to the verse, not just the three lines, all four. I said, 
Okay, so what do you want me to do? He goes, I want you to start preaching on all four lines. I want you to lead people into forgiveness and sanctification and deliverance. Because if I could get their minds healed, their bodies would be really easy. I said, okay, how do I do it? And then he introduced me to this ministry in Kansas City called Prisoners of Hope. And they started helping me. And I, I found out that I got a lot of issues I didn't even know. Like, I got problems in my head. Not as many now. I'm pretty free now. But I've been studying and I've learned it. And so what I want to do is lead you through some of the stuff that I've learned. And I believe that everybody's going to leave different tonight if you want to be different. Amen. So I want everybody to close your eyes. Can you? Close your eyes. I don't want you to just look around. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to tell you, where's the pain in my life coming from? And who caused it? Just ask the Holy Spirit. Be very honest with him. Not out loud, in your spirit. And say, how did I get hurt? Why am I hurt? Why am I wounded? Why am I emotionally crippled? Why don't I have confidence? Who hurt me? Where did it come from? And he'll tell you who it happened. I had to do it with seven or eight people. And when you know where the pain came from, maybe it was your mom didn't, you know, comfort you. Maybe it was your daddy didn't make you feel safe. Maybe it was a spouse, pastor, family, whoever. When you know who it is, I want you to envision them sitting right in front of you. Just see them right in front of you in your mind's eye. And I want you to start telling them all the things they did to you that was wrong, that hurt you. I don't want you to hold anything back. That's why we're doing it in our mind instead of in person, because it's easier to do it in your mind than it would be if they were sitting in front of you. Tell them everything. Don't hold anything back. Tell them what it costs you. Tell them how it's affected you your whole life. Don't forgive them. Tell them what they did wrong, because it's wrong. That's why you're hurt. You don't get hurt by right. <laughs> you, get hit by, you get hurt by wrong. List everything. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a pastor. List everything. So you violated me. You stole my innocence. You stole my confidence. You made me constantly live in fear. Whatever it is, just tell them, tell them, tell them everything. I don't really want to rush this. I want to... I want you to have time to list everything out. Pain has to have a voice, so go ahead and just express everything that's in your heart that hurts. And if you get past a person and you've told them everything, if there's another person, go to the next person and do the same thing. And if you have tears, it's okay. If you have crying, it's okay. It's just, I just want you to be real and honest and list everything they've done that's wrong.
And I don't want to rush anybody in this. And so if you need a little bit more time, I just want you to raise your hand because I don't want to rush anybody until we're completely done listing all the things that people did that hurt us. So if you need more time, please raise your hand. If not, okay, I see it. So we'll just take a little more time. Don't leave anything out. I don't want you to have regrets. I wish I would have thought of that. Just please tell them everything they did. Tell them how they made you feel. Tell them what it cost you. Tell them how it's affected your whole life. anybody need a little more time if you do just slip your hand up if you need a little more time okay we're not in a hurry Spirit, give us courage. Give us courage. Amen. We've told them everything, right? Told them everything. Now I want you to take your gaze off the people that hurt you. Like, look away from them and look at Jesus. I want you to see Jesus. Get a vision of Jesus. Look at his eyes. And you know how much he loves you. And I want you to, I want you to ask Jesus this question Jesus if I give you the debt that this person or these people owe me because of what they've done to hurt me and cause all this pain and trauma 
if I give you that debt, what will you give me in exchange? Ask him that question. If I give you the debt of all this wrong and this pain, Jesus, what will you give me in exchange for that? I think you'll like what he says. <laughs> I loved it when he told me what he was going to give me. It's like, oh my. Because he's the God of the great exchange. Can you all look at me just for a second? Like, how many in the room, how many in the room feel like what Jesus is offering you is better than you holding on to the pain? That's unanimous. Like, he's better, isn't he? So, if you think what he's offering you, you know, what joy, peace, whatever, whatever he's offering you, love, if it's better than what you had, then give it to him. Like if you were abused for 10 years, give it to him. If you, whatever. If what he's offering you is better, then give him the debt. Don't forgive the people yet. Give the debt to Jesus. Just say, I give it to you 100%. And let him give you what he gives you now. Right? Just say, I receive what you give me. Amen. Let me tell you a story before we move on. One of the dear ladies that's a part of this ministry that I'm partnering with in Kansas City, when she was a little girl, her daddy would chain her in the basement to a pipe and sell her to his friends. She had a little more trauma than me. A lot of people measure trauma saying, well, I don't have that kind of trauma, so I don't really need healing. All trauma is trauma. Your trauma is your trauma. God needs to heal everybody's pain, right? Okay, so this girl grows up, she gets saved, she finds Jesus, and she goes through this healing process, and as she's asking Jesus, you know, what, what will you give me? She's actually seeing Jesus on the cross, looking down at her dad, forgiving him. She sees Jesus forgiving her daddy because she's on the cross with Jesus, and she says, I want to forgive him too. Well, her daddy's in prison, so she actually is able to go and in person. A lot of times we don't get a chance to forgive people in person. Sometimes we need to write letters and say all the stuff they did, then burn them because we don't get a chance to see them. But she got a chance to go to her dad in prison and tell him how much she loved him and forgave him, and she led him to the Lord before he died in prison. It's like, come on, man, how free can you get, right? And she knew the reason why he did it is because he was so broken, but she could never have compassion for him until she was healed of her pain. Are you guys with me? So, if you gave Jesus a debt, now go back into that, close your eyes, look at the people, and tell them you forgive them. Tell them you forgive them. And mean it. Say, I forgive you. I forgive you. Mean it. You know, I didn't know this, you guys. This won't take you long to say I forgive you, so I'm going to talk now. Um, 
I didn't know how hurt I was from not having a daddy when I grew up. My daddy did this. He traveled around, and he was always gone when I was growing up. I didn't know it wounded my heart. I thought my dad was my hero. Right? Like summers, I would go to camp meetings with my dad because he was always the big evangelist, but I never had a dad. And so I always had fear and insecurity, no confidence, always needing people to approve of me because I never had a dad. And I remember when I was like third or fourth grade, I was so lonely for my dad that I would ask my teacher, can I go to the bathroom when he would come home? Because he'd be gone months at a time. And she would say, yeah, you can go to the bathroom. And I would sneak out of school and run home and hide in the back seat of my daddy's car. Cut him wanting to leave again. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, I didn't know that was an area of wounding until the Holy Spirit showed me. I just thought everybody was insecure. Everybody needed to perform. Everybody needed to earn approval. I just thought that's what it was, but I didn't know I had deep wounds that needed to be healed, and my heart was purified, and I was sanctified. I'd experienced the fullness of the Spirit, and I still had wounds that needed to be healed. Are you guys with me? Dad didn't mean it. He was following God the best he knew how, but it still wounded his son. I love my daddy. That's not the point. Stuff happens that hurts us that we need to let Jesus heal. So that's as important what you're doing tonight, guys. If you're sincere, you'll leave way different. But we got to be sincere. Are you guys with me? So, um, so you forgave them. Now I want you to pray a blessing over them. Like bless them. Like bless your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Pray for your persecutors. Pray that they, their ministry would be blessed, their family would be blessed, their business would be blessed, their kids would be blessed. Their, pray blessing. You know, Matthew 5 says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You can't pray right until you love right. And you can't love anybody you haven't forgiven. You say, well, I can't do it. But the one who lives inside of you can. So you can choose to love and forgive. Come on. God will help with the emotions. You just have to make a choice. I want to do what God says. You know, I've had visions, you guys, and I think hell's going to be populated mostly because of unforgiving people. Because if you don't forgive people, he can't forgive you. So I don't ask people now, how long have you been born again? Because that's not the crux. You know what the crux is? How long have you been forgiving? Because if you're not forgiving, you're not forgiven. You know, Matthew 18 story, the guy's in debt, 30 lifetimes of income, never pay it back. He begs mercy. He's forgiven. Slate's wiped clean. He finds some dude that owes him 10 bucks and chokes him. He's thrown back in and all of his sins are put back on him. That's every Christian. We can't go around with offense. That's why love's unoffendable. We have to not keep any records of wrongs. We have to forgive to be healed. Are you guys tracking with me? So, so you forgave them. You prayed blessing on them. Now I want you to do one more thing. Ask the Holy Spirit, did I make any vows because I was hurt that I need to break? Because vows that aren't godly vows to God, you, don't, you shouldn't make them. And a vow is like, I'll never do that. Or I'll do this. And you make these statements, and they're not holy. And we need to break all vows. Right? So ask Holy Spirit, when I was hurt, did I make these vows in my head because I didn't want to be hurt anymore that I need to sever and break? 
And if he tells you what they are, just say, I give them back to you, God. I break those vows. Okay? We don't want any vows that aren't godly. Thank you, Father. Now, we've forgiven. We've blessed. We've given it to Jesus. We're trusting Jesus now. So I want you to ask Jesus, ask him, come in and heal my broken heart. I want you to heal my broken heart. I want, I want it healed. I want the gold in my cracks. I want to become the most precious, valuable part of my whole life, the part you're healing now. Amen? I want to receive comfort in this painful area so I can give away comfort as a lifestyle. Heal me, Jesus. I promise you he's a healer. Amen? So you ask him, right? How many ask him to heal you? Do you believe he does? Do you believe he's a healer? Okay, so amen. So we've addressed the people that hurt us. To me, that's not as hard as this next step. This next step is we need to forgive ourselves. I don't like this one. Because I can forgive you because I don't live in your skin. But it's harder for me to forgive me because I live with me. And I've done things to hurt people. I've been rude to people. I haven't been sensitive. I, I haven't treated my kids always the way I should. I haven't treated my wife the way I should. I haven't treated friends the way I should. I, and when I started asking the Holy Spirit, he started showing me all the things I did that I didn't even know, so I'm glad his atonement covers unintentional things. I'm glad things that you do that you don't mean to do, you're covered by the blood. But when he reveals them to you, the people you hurt, you need to ask God to give you the grace you can forgive yourself for the people you hurt. Right? right? And so for the longest time, I didn't think God could forgive me some, for some things I did because I thought it was too hard for him. And he said, why do you keep bringing this up? I forgave you the moment you asked me. Why don't you forgive yourself? That's when it was like, whoa, who do I think I am? If he's willing to forgive me, who am I to not forgive myself? Like if the great commandment is to love God with everything that I am so I can love people the same way I love myself, well, love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love doesn't get offended. And I was offended at myself. Like I couldn't look in the mirror. I felt shame. So I started doing this. So I want you to close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes and look in the mirror. You don't know what your face looks like. You just know what the reflection is. Isn't that weird? Like, nobody's ever seen your face because your face is on top of you. <laughs> Am I right? It's like if you look at those weird mirrors where it makes you either look real tall and skinny or real short and fat, how do you know which one's really you? Because you, you can't see your own face. You're looking through your skin. But the Word of God is a mirror that lets us actually see us the way He sees us. Aren't you glad that He will let us see what we really look like? Not a reflection, but what we really look like. So look in the mirror and list all the things that you know you've had a hard time forgiving yourself for. You know, maybe you had an affair on your spouse, or maybe you cheated, or maybe you hurt someone, or maybe you lied, whatever. 
Look at yourself and see yourself the way Jesus sees you and say, I forgive you. God's forgiven me. I forgive you. Forgive yourself. It really feels good to be able to look in the mirror and be happy. Amen. This is harder for me, guys. It's harder for me to deal with myself than it is others. Just forgive yourself. And then when you're done forgiving yourself for all the stuff you've held on to, because you thought, how could you forgive that? Because it was too bad. Then start praying a blessing over yourself. That's pretty cool. Like, I bless you, Dan, with prosperity and health and freedom and peace and joy, confidence. I bless you, Dan. Bless yourself. Pray a blessing over yourself. Amen? You say, well, this sounds weird. It may sound weird, but I'm different. If God can set me free, he can help any of you guys. Amen? You guys good? Come on, are we happy? So you guys actually forgave yourself? Amen? I did. I used to do some weird things when I was a kid, man, because I didn't have a dad. I didn't know I had issues until the Holy Spirit showed them to me. Come on. I remember when I was a little kid, you guys. I remember when I was a little kid. I don't know, second grade. One of my older cousins made me hold a Playboy while he masturbated in front of me. I, I felt so much shame. And then all of a sudden I started having these thoughts of perversion. It was a demon. My cousin didn't mean to hurt me. So that's one of the people I forgave. He didn't do anything to hurt me. You just being a lost boy just like I was. Are you guys with me? He said, well, you're being a little bit too transparent. Well, how the heck am I supposed to minister with a facade on? <laughs> I mean, Jesus, when he wanted to show his disciples the depth of his love, he got naked. Took his robe off, man. Got vulnerable. Got real low, washed feet. <laughs> I figure if I could get real, maybe you'll have courage. Come on, you guys with me? How far did that thing go? Well, several years after that exposure to that demonic spirit of, you know, perversion, I was going to stores and stealing Playboy magazines and taking them home. And from that little age all the way up until I was 34, I was addicted to lust and all that perversion. And it started with one exposure. I'm free now. Yay. <laughs> I really am. Like, I'm so free. Like, everything's, like, permissible, but I won't do stuff. Like, I'm not drawn in. Like, my desire's changed. I don't need to go to some meeting with brown bags where there's a secret location and you have to have a private passcode to get in the room so we can all talk about how defeated we are. Like, I'm free. <laughs> Now we're going to do a third thing, <laughs> and this one will seem a little different to you, but we need to, we need to tell God all the things that he's done that disappointed us. Now, before you jump the gun and say, you're not going to make us forgive God, are you? No, I'm not going to ask you to forgive God, because that would be the dumbest thing you've ever done. <laughs> God's never done anything that needs your forgiveness. Like he's like God. 
you guys get this? He's perfect. So he's never done anything that needs forgiveness. But he has maybe been misunderstood. Like, I prayed for this person. They didn't get healed. I prayed for my spouse. They died. I prayed for my kids. They're lost. I prayed for my marriage. We're divorced. I prayed for the sickness. They're still sick. Why, God? Like, my, my child's still in trouble. I prayed. You didn't answer. What's going on? Be honest with God. Did you know he likes honesty? Remember the, remember the first night I preached on, I believe, help my unbelief? He just likes honesty. I, I remember the, the older brother in Luke 15 when he said, you never even gave me a goat, Dad. And the dad says, well, the whole farm is your. As soon as the boy was honest. Now, truth sets you free only if you're truthful. His truth can't touch you unless you're truthful. Your truthful gives a place for truth to come. The two have to marry. So, be truthful with God. Like I ask God all the time. I know by your stripes I'm healed. Where's the new hip? It's been 26 years, God. I mean, I, who's counting? <laughs> right? Like, I'm not discouraged. I'm not depressed. I'm free. But that's a question I ask him. Like, when are you going to fix this situation? Like, when are you going to fix that? I pray, you get it? So be honest with God, right? Close your eyes, talk to your papa, tell him all the things you don't understand. Just be honest with him. Would you do that? Like right now, I'll give you a few minutes to do that. And if you've told him everything you don't understand, all the questions, say, just, God, I'm being honest. I don't get it. I mean, I read your Bible. I try to do exactly what you say, and I don't see the results that your Bible says I should see. And so I'm just being honest. And so if you've laid everything out to God, then this is what I want you to tell God. And this may be the most important thing we do all night. You ready? I want you to look at God and say, but nevertheless, regardless... I choose to trust you 100%. I'm just going to trust you, God. Regardless, I'm going to trust you. Because he says in his word over and over again, nobody who puts their trust in God has ever put to shame. So he doesn't need you to understand everything, but he does need you to trust him. Amen? So I trust you, God. Amen. So how many, of you, how many of you believe you've forgiven to the best of your knowledge the people that hurt you and gave that debt to God? How many of you believe you've done it to the best of your ability? Amen. How many of you believe you've actually forgiven yourself and you love yourself? And how many of you believe you really trust God? Okay, we can move on. Isn't this awesome? I love this, you guys. So I've had uh, things in my life that I just thought were family hereditary issues, because I was never taught that demons can mess with your mind or your body. I was just taught you need to get saved and sanctified and read your Bible and pay your tithe and go to church, and life's hard. 
I didn't really hear it just exactly like that, but that's what I perceived. I was never taught that you have an enemy every day that's trying to take you out, and you need to take authority because you're actually in a battle. I wasn't taught that. So the Bible actually, and something's happening. The Bible lists 16 demonic spirits that are sent with specific assignments to defeat you. There's 16 of them listed in the Bible. I'm going to read them, and I'm going to read some of the fruit of those demonic spirits and give you some of the verses where they're found. Now, these 16 demonic spirits, if you agree with them, strongholds can be built in your mind where you start feeling hopeless like it'll never change. Part of the conditions that I have fought ever since my accident, which was caused because I had a spirit of death operating in me, I didn't know that was even existed until I got this new Bible. <laughs> I'm in kindergarten on line three. <laughs> I'm like a graduate with PhDs in the other three lines, but I'm learning line three that God actually wants us set free in our mind, our emotions, just as much as he wants us set free in our spirits and our bodies. He wants our minds healed. Aren't you glad? So part of my, you know, struggling with weight, struggling with depression, struggling with anxiety. I didn't know I had demons after me. I just thought, well, that's the family tradition. So let me list the demons. You guys happy? Is anybody happy I'm doing this or should we just go home? <laughs> should we just go home and eat pizza? I mean, I actually have 851 calories left on my thing, man. I'm like, I'm in, I'm in great shape right now, man. <laughs> I'm happy. So here, here's the 16 demonic spirits that Satan sends to cause us havoc. The first one is the spirit of pride. This is the chief one. This is the one that Satan had. That's why he got kicked out of heaven. Uh, one verse would be Proverbs 16, 18. I don't want to list all the fruit of pride. I'm just going to list the predominant fruit and itself. If you think you're more important than everybody, you're operating in pride. If you think your opinion's more important than other people's, you're operating in pride. If you think what you have to say is more important than other people, it's pride. Now my question is this. If you love God with all of your heart, you're filled with the Spirit, you're in church, you're obeying Him as best you know how because obedience is His love language. Like, that's what He wants. He just wants us to obey. That's His love language. If you're doing all that, and yet you feel these selfish tendencies coming, it can't be coming out of your heart. It's not coming out of you. So where's it coming from? It must be coming from the demon called the spirit of pride. Well, aren't you glad we have authority? Why don't we get rid of him? Yay! You get it? So the next spirit that I listed here is the spirit of jealousy. Spirit of jealousy. And that, that verse would be 1 Peter 2, 1 through 2, or James 3, 16. And there's more, there's more scriptures. You can look them up. You can use your phone and Google the 16 demonic spirits, and they'll give you all the verses. Like, you don't have to be smart anymore. Like, we have Google, right? <laughs> like, they used to have to memorize the scrolls. All we have to do is have a phone now. Anyway, the, the spirit of jealousy creates competition, creates division, creates insecurity, creates envy. That's everywhere. There's jealousy everywhere. 
Like, you say, well, how do you know? Well, put a prayer request on about how bad you're doing, and everybody will jump on and pray. Because it actually makes them feel better than how they're doing. Put a testimony on Facebook about how blessed you are. It's pretty crickets. Why? Because people are jealous, which means they're insecure. Now, if you love God, if your heart's full of God, if you're following God, where's it coming from? Must be a demon. Aren't you glad we have authority? Like we can get rid of the spirit of jealousy. Yay! Okay, number three, the spirit of fear. This is the one being used probably the most right now. The spirit of fear. What's interesting about the spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1.7, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Amen. Or Job, chapter 3, I think it's verse 25. Job said, everything that I feared came true. Fear is powerful, man. That's why there's 366 verses that say don't. <laughs> you get it? Like one for every day of the year, including leap year. Like God, an God anticipated leap year. And so there's 366 verses that say don't fear. Fear not. Don't fear. Don't fear. So if you're going against the command of what you're not supposed to do, then fear not only is a spirit, it becomes a sin. With the pandemic, fear has been predominantly used by Satan to keep the church being more transformed or conformed by the things of the world than transformed by the things of the Spirit, because that's how powerful the spirit of fear is. And the only thing that will cure it is we take authority and get rid of it and then walk in love, because love casts out all fear. And love's not selfless, so it has no pride. And it's not envious, it has no jealousy. Yay? So what is the spirit of fear fruit? Unbelief? <laughs> I've preached on that here. Where does unbelief come from? You're afraid. Like you can be walking on a storm and all of a sudden have an ability to see the wind. And now you're seeing everything that's coming against you and you become afraid and then you stop believing and you sink. So the, the, the fruit of fear is unbelief. Or the fear of man. You're always worried about what people think. That's the spirit of fear. The spirit of sickness. Everybody's afraid of sickness. The spirit of the, the fear of death. Well, if you're a Christian, why would you fear death? Like, it's your best moment. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Well, I just don't know, man. I, I, I thought I wanted to go to heaven, but not yet. Why not? <laughs> like, there's no calorie restrictions in heaven, man. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Go up there and do whatever you want, man. You do whatever you want. <laughs> it's just... Uh, it's called a spirit of fear. This, the fear of your past, the fear of the future, <laughs> the fear of not having fear. I mean, <laughs> everybody's so used to fear. And it's demonic, you guys. 
And if we were walking in the fullness of what Jesus paid for, we would not know what fear means. We would be fearless. Amen. The, the fourth one is the spirit of bondage. This, this uh, is found in Romans 8.15. You know, God has not given you a spirit of bondage, but he's given you life where you cry out, Abba, Father. John 14.18, he didn't leave you as an orphan, but as a son. Um, the spirit of bondage usually comes from father wounds, usually, where dad wasn't there encouraging you or giving you confidence, and so you feel like you're an orphan. And some of the fruit of the spirit of bondage is you have a poverty mindset. You have a victim mindset. You have addictions. Addictions to shopping, addictions to social media, addictions to porn, addictions to drugs, addictions to food, addictions to gossip. Addiction, 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 that comes from a spirit of bondage. Um, I'm glad we have authority. We can get rid of the spirit of bondage. Aren't you guys glad? Yeah. The, the, the fifth spirit is the spirit of divination. And that's Acts 16, 16, Isaiah 8, 19, Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 14. This is where we get the spirit of witchcraft. A lot of times when the spirit of witchcraft comes, it affects your vocal cords where you can't talk good or your sinuses. It affects this area. Um, he's trying to suffocate you. Spirit of witchcraft, spirit of divination. Um, some of the fruit would be the occult. People that talk to the dead, seances, Ouija boards, astrology, Freemason. Freemason's huge. It's probably the biggest cult. And there's curses on people. The reason why there's so much asthma, the reason why there's so much heart problem, all these diseases, you can trace them back to somebody in your family line that's in Freemasonry. That's a part of divination. We need to take authority and get rid of that spirit. Are you guys with me? Um, one, one thing that I have discerned is that like, if, like, for instance, if a witch came in here tonight with like a black coat and a black pointed hat, like a big cigarette, and they walked in, and that's funny. Like, I, w I wish we were as much like Jesus that we would draw all the witches to our services. My problem is I'm so holy that all I can draw is Christians. If I really was like Jesus, all the lost, hopeless people in the whole valley would run to my meeting. <laughs> so I have a ways to go. Yay. Yay. Anyway, so I was, I was trying to talk before you interrupted me, laughing. This witch comes walking down here and brings a Buddha statue and puts a Buddha there and lights incense, and nobody would allow it because we could see its divination. But Samuel says that rebellion is the exact same spirit as divination. And if we're rebelling against what God tells us, we're operating in witchcraft. It's a spirit, you guys. Let's take authority over it. And then the next one is the spirit of error. And that one would be 1 John 4, 6. And that's just false truth. 
the occult. That's where you get the spirit of religion. That's a stinky spirit. Um, I think that the people that angered Jesus the most were unbelievers that he gave authority to and Pharisees who had a spirit of religion. He was always mad at the Pharisees. Like the prostitutes, the gangbangers, the tax evaders, the murderers, the adulterers, they get to be authors that write the book. <laughs> but religious experts, he, he was mad. Well, they had a spirit of error. They thought they could do it. Are you with me, church? So, um, huh. I think one of the biggest manifestations of the spirit of error is there's a lot of Christians that have a form of godliness that deny any power. That would be a spirit of error. Like we know God can forgive our sins, but we don't really think he wants to heal anymore. That's, that's, that's a spirit of error. You want to know another one? That most Christians think you have to sin. You say, well, I don't know about that. Well, all Catholics have to do confession every week. That means they must think they're sinning every week. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Why? Well, you have to. Well, where's that verse? Or most Calvinist reform theology, which is another, like, if you put Catholics and Calvinists together, it's 80% of all Christianity. And they think it's normal that you have to sin. That's a spirit of error. If God sets you free from sin, why do you have to do it? Well, we're human. Well, well who said you're just human? One third of you is wall to wall Holy Spirit. He lives in your spirit. He's trying to get in your soul and your body, but I know he's filled your whole spirit. So don't just say, well, I'm just human. No, you're not. You're one third like God. <laughs> I told myself I wasn't going to yell. I'm not going to yell preaching on demons. I don't know why I yelled. Spirit of error. And then we have number seven, a lying spirit. Second Chronicles 19 or 1822, it's like lying, um, false prophets, superstitions, exaggerating, all lies. I've had this happen so many times, you guys, where I'm, I'm in the Word all day. I got my tithe paid. I'm living holy. Like, not on my standards. I'm just like, I have no guilty conscience. I'm just really free. I'm just doing really good. Somebody will call me and ask me a question, and I all of a sudden know if I tell them that the whole truth, it'll really hurt them. So I feel this scenario rise up. If I tell them like this, it'll, it'll smooth it over. And it's lies. It come from me. It came from an outside influence. So then when you, if you do it, now you've got to tell a lie to cover the lie. Then you're trying to find a lie to get you back into a stream of truth. And the whole thing's a mess. And it didn't come from you because you had anything on your heart but lying. 
but it was influence that came from somewhere else. It's called a lying spirit. Aren't you glad we have authority? Like we don't have to give in to it. Amen. Number eight, we're halfway there. Say amen. amen. <laughs> Number eight, the spirit of perversion. And the fruit of this is all lust, all sexual sin, right? Having intercourse and sex with anybody besides your spouse. It's all perversion. And there's so many verses on this, but Isaiah 19, Romans 1, 25 to 27, in the spirit of perversion. Let me tell you how this one works. I've had this one hit me so many times because I used to be into it. Like from age, whatever, little boy to 34. Perversion, pornography, lust, right? But when I got set free and God changed my desires, I can be in a meeting just like this, talking on the scripture, you know, talking on holiness and the virtue and the power of God, like I'm in it, man, it's, that's where I'm at. And all of a sudden I see one of the videos I used to watch. It's like, are you kidding? You know what I do most of the time? Thank you, Jesus, that I'm so holy. Thank you that you redeemed me and purified my heart. Thank you that I'm a brand new creature. Thank you that the old is gone and that everything's new. And I do that for about 30 seconds, and everybody's looking at me like, what happened? They don't know. I'm not going to tell them the screen's in front of me. And then it disappears. <laughs> like, we don't have to give in to it. It's called the spirit of perversion. We have authority over it. Come on, you guys. So I, I'm just trapped. Why? No screen tonight. I haven't seen one, so I'm pretty happy. <laughs> I mean, sometimes Satan will come in my room. You know, until COVID hit, I just lived in hotels 300 days a year for 11 and a half years. 300 days a year, I was, in the road. I was on the road. It wasn't right. I shouldn't have been gone from home 300 days a year. I thought God's blessing was giving me meetings because I came out of failing in the business, so my wounds weren't healed. So everything that was open, it's God's blessing. I didn't have any wisdom because of my wounds. I know now. Our vision skewed when we're not healed. Are you guys hearing me? Yeah. <laughs> Yay. You're, you're acting like you're hearing. So sometimes Satan would come to my room, say, your kids are going to be lost. You're never going to get over this failure mentality. Your wife's going to leave you. He'd tell me all this stuff. And I have two choices. Either go into fear and call somebody and say, I need prayer, which usually is an indication you're not free. Or I can start worshiping. Because it like burns the skin of the demons in the room. Like they go, ah, like they don't like it. So I imagine this, some demon comes to me and tries to bring up all my failures. And now what I've learned to do is admit him and tell him, you have no idea. I have done 10 times more bad things than you'll ever know because you're not God. <laughs> tell them. Like when they come in my room, like they may try to come tonight and I'll just do the same thing. Oh, you're right. I did all that. But guess what? Jesus took all of it and nailed it to the cross. And you have no voice now because now he chose me before he even created you. Because the... <laughs> 
because the Bible actually says, before the foundation of the world, he chose me to be predestined as his son and to live holy and blameless in love. I'm actually his first choice over all creation. And so I can tell Satan, you're right, I did all that, but you've been defeated, he stripped you naked. He publicly created you around hell and he won the battle. And now you can keep saying whatever you want, but I'm just going to worship him. So I'll just start worshiping. Just like, thank you, God, for being in my room. Thank you, God, for letting me be a threat so demons have to come against me and they can't bother somebody else. Thank you, God, that I am your favorite. Thank you, God, that you love me. Thank you, God, that I am your bride. Thank you that you call me your wife. Thank you that when I look at you, your heart races. Thank you, God. And the demons just run out of the room. They run. And I can hear him. I can hear him going back to Satan. Well, Satan, we, we tried to get him to go into fear, and he started worshiping. He actually believed there's a God. <laughs> the reason why most people are in bondage to demonic spirits that become strongholds because you get in bondage because you don't know how to take authority, the reason why is you don't actually believe God loves you. And the reason the demons have so much power is because they know you don't believe God loves you. <laughs> Yay. So they'll come back again. You know, they'll, they'll usually bring two or three other ones <laughs> wake me up. And I'll just say, well, I'm, I'm glad you're back because this is going to hurt you again. Thank you, Father. You're such a good dad. Thank you that you love me, that you're, that you're not sleeping. You're watching over me right now. You're brooding over me. You're just like doting over me. I'm your favorite. And I worship you. I love you. And I'm so thankful that you're with me in this room. And thank you that all these lies mean I must really be in onto something that's threatening. And so I worship you, I love you, and they leave. Now, when you can get rid of them like that, you don't have a stronghold. You're just experiencing warfare. Warfare will never end. You'll have warfare until you take your last breath. You don't ever have to lose. Amen. Okay, let's keep going. I, I gotta hurry up. Huh. Then there's the spirit of seduction, which is 1 Timothy 4.1. The spirit of seduction is where people use false flattery. They're into performance-based, you know, trying to earn approval. They have a spirit of Jezebel where they're trying to manipulate things. They have a spirit of Delilah where they're trying to seduce things. They have a spirit of Ahab where they've been hurt and wounded, so they're just letting people hurt because they don't want to take responsibility. That's a big deal in the church today. There's a lot of Ahab spirit because a lot of pastors are so wounded themselves, they don't have any emotional energy to care for the sheep. Because everybody's hurt. Because nobody's walking in authority. And nobody has to live in defeat. Jesus died so we could be more than conquerors. In other words, we use one rock, we still have a whole pouch full of rocks. Like we may not look like we have much, we got like a little sack lunch, good, and we have 12 baskets. Yay? So the spirit, of, the spirit of seduction, flattery, you're always flattering people, trying to see if they'll flatter you back. I hate it, you guys. Performance. I was so trapped in this spirit. But we can take authority. The next one is the spirit of harlotry. Um, this is the world system. Jeremiah 10.21, Hosea 5.4, Hosea 9.1. The spirit of harlotry is the Babylon system of the world. The, the fruit of the spirit of harlotry is you don't think you ever have enough. You need more money. You need more retirement. You need more security. You need more influence. You need more power. You need more property. Whatever. 
It's like you never feel like you have enough. You're never satisfied. That's the spirit of harlotry. We have authority over that. Let's get rid of the spirit of harlotry. I struggled with this one bad till I got free. Come on, man. I didn't even know it, you guys. I thought, well, I could just give more money to the church. And so I rationalized my greed as I can give more money to the church. It's the spirit of harlotry. You guys are acting like you're really happy. The next one's the spirit of Antichrist. Number 11, 1 John 4, 3, 2 John 7. I'm just going to give you one of the fruit of the spirit of Antichrist. There's a lot of them. But this is the main one that's in the church. You think your thoughts are more important than what he says. That's the spirit of Antichrist. Your thoughts are not better than his. What he says is more important. Do you guys agree? Then the, the next spirit is the spirit of stupor. It's Romans 11.8, Isaiah 29.10, Revelation 3.1. The spirit of stupor comes against the prophetic. It blocks us from hearing the voice of God. A lot of people are afraid to give words because they don't think they can hear it right, and so they depend on people in pulpits. God wants the whole body of Christ to be prophesying. All of us can hear his voice. That's how we got born again. But the spirit of stupor comes and tries to make it confusing where we don't have any confidence. Let's take authority over the spirit of stupor. Amen. Let's all become prophets. Amen. Where we speak the word of God and the whole place becomes free because his word is truth. Yeah. Are you guys with me? Yeah. Then the next one would, would be the spirit of infirmity. This is in Luke 13. This is when demonic spirits come and attach to your body and make you sick physically. Well, I'm glad we have authority over that one. Like, I hate the spirit of infirmity. You, you know how you can tell if it's really operating in someone? When you pray for them, they get worse. Well, that's really a good sign. That means the demon's been exposed. Like when I pray for someone, oh, the pain just went up. Good, the devil's trying to let us think he's not there. We know he's there now. Now we can take authority over the spirit of infirmity and get rid of him. And most of the time that releases healing easier. You guys don't believe me. Okay. Jesus shows up in this church in Luke 13. I call it the first church of the bent lady. Because she's been bent over for 18 years. And everybody's used to her being bent. So I think she works in the nursery because she's been over. And when you're bent over, it's just real easy to pick up kids, you know, because you're already down there. It doesn't say she's out working the streets or as a bookie or a prostitute. She's a lady that works in the church for 18 years. She's a daughter of Abraham. She's a woman of covenant. She's been over. Everybody in the church just thinks it's a physical deal. Oh, she's the bent lady. A first-time visitor comes to church named Jesus. He's a first-time guest. Probably filled out a card. And it says he sees her. He saw her. Nobody in the church could see her. Because if you're not free, all you see is what you need. If you're free, you can actually see why people are in bondage. You can actually see what they need, not just their symptoms. So he looks at her and he sees her. And he knows she's a woman of faith. And he just looks at her and he says, come here. 
And she comes up to him and, she, and he goes, hmm, you're free. That's all he said. King James, be loosed. I like free better. Be free. You know what happened the moment he told her she's free? Now her body's fixed. It was a spirit of infirmity. Most of the time, not all the time, most of the time people's problems in their bodies are tied to spirits of infirmity. And we haven't been taught this. We've just been taught get saved, get filled with the spirit, read your Bible, pay your tithe, go to church. We actually have an enemy that we have authority over. Amen. And we can live in victory. Amen. Are you guys happy? Yeah. Okay, I got to get through this. I got to hurry because I'm tired. Okay. Then number 14, there's a deaf and dumb spirit, Mark 9, 25. Deaf and dumb spirits cause bipolar, cause Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, depression, schizophrenia, brain dysfunction. A lot of times that's tied to a deaf and dumb spirit. I can point to four people this year, four people that I've seen healed of either bipolar Alzheimer's or Parkinson's because we got rid of the spirit in their life and then they got healed. I didn't used to think God could heal that until he showed me what these demons do. Amen? Okay, then the next one. Oh, these last two. These last two are working right now in conjunction in the body of Christ with the spirit of fear. The last two are the spirit of death and the spirit of heaviness. The spirit of fear comes first. When there's a trauma, when there's an accident, usually the whole family's got fear. And then it brings heaviness, which is depression, emotional deadness, hopelessness. And then death, which makes you give up all hope. Let me, let me, before I go into these spirits, these last two, let me tell you how I know the spirit of death operated in my life. And I didn't even know it. When I was a little boy, two years old, I slept on a top bunk in the bed. My parents were at Olivet Nazarene University in Kankakee, Illinois. We lived in a trailer. My daddy was finishing up school. In the night, I would fall out on my head and I'd be bleeding when I'd wake up as a two-year-old. I remember we moved from there to Iowa, and I, I remember I was riding my bike home from church one day, and the brake handle came out and got stuck in the front spokes, and I flipped over the front, broke my chin, broke my hand, had to have cast. We moved to Kansas. <laughs> I remember I went sledding when I was in 10th grade, and we were at the Allstate building right on 435, this big old hill, and there was only three trees at the bottom, and I hit one of them going 40. About snapped my body in half. Then that same summer, I was finishing concrete, and I borrowed my cousin Jeff, who was my brother's age. I borrowed his car to drive home because I was tired, it was about 9.30 at night. So he had a brown Plymouth duster, and I was doing fishtails on the gravel roads. I was just a sophomore. Like, I, I water skied the day I got married until an hour and a half before the wedding. I used to be a, a thrill seeker, like barefoot skiing, motocross. I just did stuff. Anyway, I always got hurt. 
Um, okay, so I hit a ditch in that car and it rolled the car. I rolled my cousin's car. It was not a good night. Um, I, I come to a stop and the passenger side of the roof has pushed all the way down like a spike went through the upholstery. If I was sitting in the passenger side, it would have sent a spike all the way through my body. Where I was sitting in the driver's seat, there was a little area about this big where it wasn't crushed, where my head was. So I know mom, I think mom covered me all my life because I think I've had a spirit of death my whole life. I went into construction work. I remember one time I cut this thumb off, so I picked it up, held it together and drove myself to the hospital and they sewed it back on. Another time I set a chainsaw down on this knee, all the skin opened up, I could see all the blood vessels and nerves and muscle and fat. I tied a t-shirt around it real tight, drove myself to the hospital, they sewed it up. One time I fell off the roof. One time I fell in the basement and they had these little metal snap ties that stick out of the foundation walls and it scraped my leg all the way down less than a half inch from my main artery. One time I was working on my dad's house, he used to live right in front of Mid-American Nazarene University, and I shot a gun nail through my foot, through my boot, into the roof where I was nailed to the roof. <laughs> when I was 34, I got hit by a semi-truck. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been near death. Well, it's not normal. It's actually called a spirit of death. And heaviness, the fruit of heaviness is depression, anxiety, emotional deadness, emotional numbness. That's not normal. It's called a spirit of heaviness. We have authority over the spirit of death and the spirit of heaviness. Like we have authority as believers. Amen. Aren't you glad? So, so the verses for the spirit of death is 1 Corinthians 15, 26, or Revelation 1, 18, the spirit of heaviness, Isaiah 61, 3, I read it. I want us to be honest tonight, be honest, and admit, have some of these demons produced these symptoms in your life? Raise your hand if you can see the symptoms of these. Whoa, it's unanimous. Maybe we ought to take some authority. <laughs> Do you guys get it? So, before we take authority and cast out the demons, um, I want to give you Jesus' job description and Satan's. And see which one's doing the best job. Yay. So, it says in John 10.10 10, that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his job description. Jesus comes that we might have life and more abundant life. So do you feel like you're being robbed and stealed and destroyed more than you have life and abundant? Both ends of that verse would give evidence to which person's job is having a bigger effect on you. 
It also says in 1 John 3, 8, that Jesus came, the Son of Man came to destroy the devil's work. So if the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy, Jesus came to stop that. In Acts 10, 38, Jesus went around healing everyone that was oppressed of the devil. Nobody needs healing unless they're oppressed of the devil. That's what Jesus did. He went around healing everybody because they were oppressed of the devil. Well, why wasn't I taught this? Why did I have to get a Bible in May and learn it at age 60? Because Satan wants to keep us in a lack of knowledge. Because for a lack of knowledge, we perish. But if we could walk in true knowledge, we could flourish. Like, I'd way rather flourish than perish. Is anybody with me? So, we're going to take authority. And after the service, if you want to take pictures of this, I should have made copies. I'll let you take pictures with your phone for free. <laughs> Seriously, if you want to take pictures, this is my brand new Bible. Now, I've read it eight times. It's pretty marked up already. I got it May 17th. But this is the 16 spirits and their fruit and the verses. And then I'll go through this page in a minute, how to stay free. Amen. There's one thing to get free. It's another thing to stay free. But I want you all to stand up. We're going to take authority now. And we're going to get rid of these demons. When we do our intensives back in Kansas City, a lot of times people start throwing up when the demons come out. We don't have any buckets here, so I'm hoping you don't. I'm just hoping you don't ruin the vineyard church because it might ruin the relationship a little bit. I'm not, I'm not trying to make it too funny, but demons are real. And they hate you. And so we're going to take authority. Okay, so I want all of you to say this with great conviction and mean it. And I want you to repeat after me, okay? Just say, Father, Father in, Jesus name, in Jesus' name, in the power of his shed blood, I speak to my generational lines. Behind me, in front of me, and on both sides of me. <laughs> I repent and I renounce. And I cast out the spirit of pride, the spirit of jealousy, the spirit of fear, and the spirit of bondage. I send you to the foot of the cross. You deal with Jesus. I'm free. I'm covered by the blood. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. And you can't mess with me anymore. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, can you praise God for that? Let's praise God for that. Yay. You say, well, I didn't feel anything. Well, good. I promise you, if you use your authority, they had to leave. They have to leave. They can't stay. They can't stand the blood. They can't stand the light. They can't stand truth. Come on, you guys. So we're, we got four down. Let's do the next four. Just say, Father, Father in the name of Jesus, in the power of his blood, I speak to my generational lines. Behind me, in front of me, 
and on both sides of me. I repent and I renounce and I cast out the spirit of divination, the spirit of error, a lying spirit and a spirit of perversion. I command you to go to the foot of the cross. You answer to Jesus. I'm free. I'm covered by the blood. I'm filled with Holy Spirit. And you can't bother me. I walk in truth. And truth set me free. In Jesus' name. Now praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Yes! Say, Father, in Jesus' name, in the power of His shed blood, I speak to my generational lines behind me, in front of me, and on both sides of me. I repent and I renounce, and I cast out the spirit of seduction, the spirit of harlotry, the spirit of antichrist, and the spirit of stupor. I command you to go to the foot of the cross. You answer to Jesus. I'm free. I'm covered by the blood. I'm filled with Holy Spirit. And I'm walking in truth. And you can't mess with me. Because I know you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Now let's praise God. Let's praise God, you guys. So we, have, we have four more to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, in the power of his shed blood, I speak to my generational lines behind me, in front of me, and on both sides of me. I repent and I renounce. And I cast out the spirit of infirmity, a deaf and dumb spirit, the spirit of death, and the spirit of heaviness. I command you to go to the foot of the cross. You answer to Jesus because I'm free. I'm covered by the blood. I'm filled with Holy Spirit. I don't have to listen to your lies. I walk in truth. And I'm free. I'm a son and a daughter. Come on, I'm your family. And I cannot fail. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's praise God. I love this. I love this man. I love it. <laughs> now I'm going to lead you through some more here because we've got to address these symptoms that these spirits produce. And so just say, I repent and I renounce of all selfish pride, of all self-centeredness. I will not give in. I repent and I renounce of all competition, all division. All envy. All envy. I, repent I, I repent and I renounce 
of all fear, all unbelief, all fear of man, all fear of opinions, all fear of sickness, all fear of death, all fear of the past, all fear of the future. I repent and I renounce the spirit of bondage, the spirit of orphan, a victim mentality, all addictions, all poverty mindsets. I repent and I renounce all witchcraft, all occult, all ties to Freemasonry. I repent and I renounce all error, all false truth. All forms of godliness that have no power. I repent and I renounce all lies, all superstitions, all exaggerations. I repent and I renounce all lust, all perversion, all immorality. I repent and I renounce all seduction. All false flattery, all performance-based stuff. I repent and I renounce of never being satisfied. Jesus, you are enough. You are my satisfaction. I repent and I renounce of ever thinking my thoughts are higher than yours. I repent and I renounce of allowing the prophetic to be silenced in my life. I have ears that hear, and I will not be afraid to speak. I repent and I renounce of all sickness and all disease that I have allowed with this spirit of infirmity. I am declaring war over sickness and disease. We won't be like the rest of the world. We are a new race. At least one third of us is like God. And God doesn't get sick. I repent and I renounce of all brain disease, bipolar, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, manic depression, schizophrenia, I repent and I renounce of the spirit of death, accidents, abortions, miscarriage, come on, all like I'm clumsy, I repent of it. I am not accident prone. I'm a child of the king and I will hope again. I will dream again because I cannot fail. Because greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. I repent and I renounce of all hopelessness, all self-pity, all depression, all low self-esteem, all emotional deadness. I will walk in joy. I will be happy. In Jesus' name. Now let's praise God. Come on, you guys. <laughs> Yay. Yay.
Okay, be seated. Be seated. Please be seated. So that was that was um, that was this page. And then I wrote in this page. I was out in California in July, and I was. I actually did this on a World Prayer Network call, and I've done it in now about 15 different churches across the country, and people are getting free, and they never knew they could be free. And once they taste it, they don't want to go back to not being free. So I was thinking about the beauty of our authority and the power that works in us that's greater than the power that raised Jesus from the dead. But then I thought, okay, it's one thing to get free. It's another thing to stay free. Right? So what I wrote down was, now that you're healed and delivered and are walking in freedom, what's next? So I wrote a few things down. One thing you need, and you can take a picture of this for free too. Like just come up and take pictures, like steal my, steal my work. <laughs> anyway, number one, you must learn to distinguish between warfare and strongholds. Warfare is never going to stop. Strongholds are when a demon comes and says something and you feel hopeless or like there's no use because it never changes. If there's a stronghold, you got to go back and do what we did tonight. If it's warfare, just take your authority and walk on it. Are you with me? So if there's a stronghold, there's three questions you have to ask yourself and Holy Spirit. Number one, what lies am I still listening to? Because if truth sets you free, lies keep you in bondage. God can't tell lies, so it has to be coming from the demons. Are you with me? Yeah. So what lies am I listening to, right? Holy Spirit will tell you. Number two, what pain am I still holding on to? Like, why am I holding on to it? If he's a healer, why don't I let him heal it? So you may have to go home and go deeper in this, you guys. I know we're trying to do it in a corporate setting, and I think it, when revival hits, we won't have time for all the one-on-one -on -one meetings. When whole cities are running to Jesus because they see the power of Jesus in the church again, revival is going to require us to do corporate deliverances. We're not going to be able to do it like we used to. I'm anticipating revival. Come on. But you may need to go home. The reason why I modeled this for you you don't need me to set a chair in front of you and speak out everything that's wrong so you can give it to Jesus and forgive. You can do that on your own. I'm trying to equip a whole army of the bride of Christ that can walk in freedom and you don't need somebody in the pulpit to keep you free. I'm not your healer, man. Jesus is the healer. And he'll meet you at home. Go shut the door and spend some time with him. Asking, what lies am I listening to? What pain am I holding on to? Third question, if there's a stronghold, and how do you know if it's a stronghold? You feel hopeless. You don't feel confident just to get rid of it. It's like, oh, here we go again. That's a stronghold. I had a stronghold, you guys, in my physical body after my accident. Listen to this. I, um, I got hit by that semi. I spent a year in a hospital bed. I gained 200 pounds. And so for 26 years, I battled. And I never thought I'd get over it. It's a stronghold. It's like, what's the use? I'm always going to be morbidly obese. I'm always going to be in pain. My whole body was in pain then, like from head to toe. 
Like when you're 500 pounds, you hurt. You guys get it? And it was demonic, you guys. It was a spirit of death. It was a spirit of infirmity. I get it. It was a spirit of heaviness. It was all demonic. But I didn't know it. I wasn't taught it. So last year, I come home from my COVID trip in March. I preached here once last March, too. And, and the leaders couldn't even come then because the church was shut down. Then I preached here last November, and Jordan and the whole staff was sick with COVID. Then it's like, what the heck? Every time I come here, Jordan's gone. Anyway, last March, when I got home from my trip, I was in Oregon, and I came back here, and I got home, and COVID hit, and it was, it was, uh, it was, it was April, um, and I was so depressed, and that's the spirit of heaviness. It's sure not the spirit of God. She said, well, it's a chemical imbalance. Really? What verse is that? Now, I just lost a third of the crowd. I'm sorry, you guys. I actually am brainwashed. <laughs> I, I'm probably going to stand before Jesus one day, and he's going to look at me going like this. You really took it serious, didn't you? <laughs> like, you took it literally. Like, you really believed it. I said, well, wasn't I supposed to? I'd rather go down with that problem than the opinions of everybody else. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm home, I'm 420 pounds, I'm miserable, I'm hurting. And I said, God, if you don't help me, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he, and he said to me, I'm not going to help you do another diet. You've done every diet. They don't work. But if you'll trust me, I'll help you. That's what he told me. I'm journaling it. God, if you don't help me, I don't know what to do. I can't go on. I'm in pain. I'm tired of hurting. It's been 24 and a half years. I'm tired of hurting. It's a stronghold, man. I have hopelessness. How am I going to fix it? I try everything. I never get skinny. I grew up skinny. So he says, I'll help you. So I said, okay, what does that mean? He didn't tell me. So the next day, my daughter April comes in, and she looks thinner. I said, what are you doing? Oh, Dad, it's easy. It's my fitness pal. You put it on your phone. It's free. I don't know how to do that. Well, I'll put it on there for you. No, I'll just write in a journal. No, Dad, let me put it on the phone for you. Okay, honey. So she puts it on the phone. I still don't know how to do it. I do now. But So she leaves my office, and I'm sitting there, and the Holy Spirit says, do this. I'll help you. If you do it one day at a time and quit trying to do a quick fix, because you didn't get in this fix overnight, but if you do it one day at a time, I'll give you strength every day, and your life will change forever. Okay. So I started doing it. First week, seven pounds. Next week, eight pounds. Like 130 pounds I've lost. One, listen to this. Listen. I, I went from 6X shirts to 2X shirts. And I think by this time next year, I'll be an extra large. Like first time since 22. Like I'm not a little guy. But I'm getting littler. Yay. Well, what happened? The stronghold was destroyed because God gave me truth that created hope that was bigger than the hopelessness. I'm not dieting. I can eat anything. I just have to keep track of it. This is so awesome. So what lie am I listening to? I'll never get healed. I'll never get healthy. 
What, what, what pain am I still holding on to? I'm tired of being morbidly obese. Well, who do I need to forgive? And I thought of a bunch of people that have hurt me. I got rid of that stronghold. Are you guys with me? And so if you do those things, sometimes you may have to write a letter and then burn it in the fireplace. But I promise you this, if there's strongholds, go home, shut the door, get a coffee or whatever millennials drink. <laughs> Bubbly, seltzer, whatever, Perrier, LaCroix. Like, this is the youngest church I've ever seen in my life, man. So, so anyway, go home, lock yourself in the room, and talk to the healer. Just be honest with him. Why would we go another day not being healed? When healing's available, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord's upon me, Jesus said. He's anointed me to preach the good news to whoever's humble enough to say they need it. To bind up the broken areas of your heart and make them the strongest areas. <laughs> so, go home, sit with Jesus. Then, if you've done all that, make sure the sense gates of your life are all clean. Like, don't ask God tonight to deliver you from the spirit of perversion and go home and have porn on your computer. Don't have X-rated movies on your TV. Duh. Like, don't clean me in church so I can go home and live in slop. Let's clean house. Like, ask Holy Spirit, what's in this house that's not clean? Let's get rid of all the accursed things. Come on. If there's like idols, if there's like stuff that's been used in the occult, get rid of it. Isn't this so good? And, and then, listen to this. Um... We need to be able to live every day. And I love what Will said, his prayer that he prays every night, you know. But I wrote it down. If you live with this prayer life every day, it's this. I dethrone my carnal mind and my need to be in charge and want what I want. I submit to the mind of Christ. And I will live with your desires being my desires. Live that as a lifestyle. Amen? Amen? And you can live in freedom. I'm telling you, I'm free right now. Like, I am free. Yay! If I can be free, so can you. I think I'm done. Let's praise God. So, um, if you want pictures, come take pictures. <laughs> I'll just leave it right there, like that. Uh, it's free. And if you could get free tonight, you can stay free. And if you're free, that's what you have to give away. Because we can only give away what we've received. So, I love River House. I hope I can sometime come here when your pastor's here. But I really do love you. Would you guys continue to pray for me?
because God is kind of shifting my burden to more of that local expression of Kansas City, and I'm partnering with, you know, that house of prayer, and I have a burden to see that metropolitan area be like a revival center for the whole world. I never had that burden until the last year. God's been changing my heart. And so I feel a little uncomfortable in it. I feel it's not my, it's not my comfort zone to be a, more of a pastor, prophet. It's, this is my comfort zone where I can come in and dump truth and let Jordan clean it up later. <laughs> and so um, just continue to pray for me. I pray for you guys. This is one of my home churches. You know, I love you guys, your family. I love, the, I love Robin and all of her kids and... I love Craig and Dean. I love it. I feel like I have a lot of family here. So I love you guys. Let me say a prayer of dismissal, okay? I want to pray a covering prayer so that no demons come back and hurt anybody in the room, okay? So, Father God, I thank you that you let us use our authority you gave us tonight. And you brought deep healing to our hearts, our emotions, our memories. And the demons had to leave. Now I, I pray a covering of your blood over everybody in this room and our families that none of these demons that left will be able to touch our kids, our grandkids, our spouses, our relatives, our neighbors. They won't be able to touch our, our houses, our property, our vehicles, our pets. I just pray that your blood just covers all of us and all of our loved ones so that we walk out of here in freedom and no, no power of the enemy will be able to touch us because we're all walking covered by the blood. So I thank you for this covering. I thank you for your peace and your joy. And I thank you for the freedom that's in the river. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you guys.